Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Slayton, and I'm so glad you're here. I empower leaders to turn indifferent customers into loyal fans. I talk to guests with a wide range of expertise who share meaningful insights and wisdom. We give you practical tips and proven frameworks and share ways to help you delight your customers. Welcome to the last of a three-part series, Earning Trust and Loyalty Depends on CX. And this episode is entitled, The Secret to Building Trust with Customers. It's a shift from the last episode, which focused on interpersonal trust. We introduced the trust equation that originally appeared in the Trusted Advisor book. Today, we're going to compare and contrast how those four variables that we talked about can be applied to the trust that gets developed between companies and customers. And there are some significant differences between that kind of trust and the trust that happens between two people. If you hadn't had a chance to listen to the first two in this series, I'd highly recommend you go back and listen to them. I think you'll find them really useful and interesting and be able to apply a lot of what you you heard. So let's dive right in. And I'm going to start with a story. The story is about a five-year-old girl who lost her Elmo doll while on vacation, but the beloved stuffed creature ended up having an adventure of his own. Ainsley Giorgio and her family had just returned home to Orlando when they realized Elmo had stayed behind at the Ritz-Carlton Resort in Amelia Island, Florida. It seemed like Elmo was lost forever. But a few days later, he arrived in the mail with a book documenting his adventures since parting ways with Ainsley. The book, titled Elmo at the Ritz, contained photos of the red doll lounging at the indoor pool, playing video games, and working out in the gym. The book also contained a note assuring Ainsley that Elmo had a good time during his solo stay. Hi, Ainsley. Just want to let you know that we found this little guy by the pool and thought you might recognize him. He decided he was going to stay at the hotel and have fun for a few days. The creative hotel employee responsible for the book was a man named Nelson. Ainsley's mother, Rachel Giorgio, told WKMG-TV that the family was grateful to get Elmo back. But the sentimental value of the book was what really stood out. Nobody goes above and beyond anymore in this high-tech world. Nobody goes above and beyond to do the extra special thing. But this guy Nelson at the Ritz not only returned Elmo to us, but made a book that Ainsley will have for the rest of her life, she said. You could argue that this is a great example of how the service recovery model works. The model essentially says that if handled well, a bad experience could actually create a stronger customer bond than if it had never happened 
at all. Ritz has a pretty strong reputation when it comes to institutional trust. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you know that none of it happens by accident. Ritz and other brands like Apple, Starbucks, Amazon, Chick-fil-A, you name it, have earned the trust of their customers through the experience they deliver. That trust equates to loyal customers who keep coming back and tell their friends. But how are they earning that trust? Today, we're going to apply the four variables to institutional trust. Of course, that's trust between a company and its customers. As a reminder, the trust equation is T equals C plus R plus I all over S, where T is trustworthiness, and it equals C, which is credibility, R for reliability, I for intimacy, and those three over the denominator of S, which stands for self-orientation. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Credibility is largely about words. Examples include designations like CPA or MD or CCXP, or the lab jacket a doctor wears or the, or the diploma on a wall. But it also reflects how those words are communicated. Do I look you in the eye? Do I speak with confidence? Or do I sound kind of wishy-washy? Reliability, on the other hand, has to do with actions. It's connected to dependability or predictability. How likely is it that I am going to do what I say I'm going to do? And intimacy, the last of the variables in the numerator, has to do with safety, largely psychological safety. Do you know what to do with what I tell you? Do you know when to laugh or cry with me? Or do you know when to empathize? It's largely about psychological safety. And then the last one in the denominator is self-orientation. And this has to do with focus. It's pretty straightforward. Is your focus on me or is it on you? The easy one to spot is the used car salesman who's trying to make a sale. But the less obvious version of this self-focus is a little more subtle. It has to do with maybe you being nervous or worried about what someone's going to think. You go in with your knees buckling, you forget your lines or what have you. Um, and, and that's another form of being self-oriented that's probably more common than most of us have with sort of the used car salesman version. <clears throat> so starting with credibility, have you ever noticed the uniforms that the Terminex technicians wear? The green and gray branding that matches their vehicles. So when they enter your most personal space, your home, you get the sense that they're credible. Their workers must have to go through some rigorous training, at least you say that in your mind, and be screened before they can wear that uniform. That's a great example of how trust can be communicated through credibility from a company standpoint. Another example is the look and feel of a website. Does it look updated? Is it consistent with the brand? Is it easy to navigate? Do they include testimonials from happy customers on the website? Do they include industry certifications or award? Since we spend so much time these days online, it's critical for a company website to instill confidence to buyers. This would be credibility. Last week, I shared an example of a bureaucratic maze I went through with the IRS. The answers I got back did anything to but assure me that I'd get my refund, now five months late, anytime soon. That was a trust withdrawal, for sure. And of course, the opposite 
of the Terminix example, when you encounter an employee or representative of a company from a company that doesn't have the appearance consistent with their brand or website, that looks like maybe the website was built in 1980. So now let's consider the role reliability plays in the trust a company has with its customers. I don't know about you, but I'm a big Starbucks fan. One thing I love about Starbucks is that I know that the Pike's Place Roast and the Bacon Egg Gouda Sandwich will taste the same whether I'm in Boca Raton or in Times Square. The kind of consistency you can expect on the deliveries Amazon makes or the unique product offering of a Trader Joe's. There's a trust that comes from reliability, not just that it's consistent, but that it's delivering in a way that creates some value for you. On the other hand, American Airlines was fined $4.1 million for dozens of long tarmac delays that trap passengers. The plane sat on the LAX runway and infuriated passengers. There you have both the lack of reliability and a sense that the company may have had a choice in being unpredictable to its customers. That's a trust withdrawal for sure. Now let's turn to intimacy. Again, we're talking about both discretion and psychological safety. Here's where things get much more difficult at an organizational level as compared to a personal level. After all, it is hard enough to develop trust through intimacy, as it's defined here, much less scale it to an organization with dozens, even thousands of employees. Let's consider some ways that companies might get this right. Why not start with the story I shared at the top? Ritz and little Ainsley, who left her Elmo at the resort. It would have been terrific if the hotel had just sent Elmo back at their expense in a timely manner. Instead, they went to the trouble of understanding the potential importance of the stuffed animal to her and decided to get the whole staff involved to create a picture book. What a great way to create an emotional connection and let her know that her Elmo was safe and being well taken care of. In the business-to-business world, this could mean starting off an important meeting by acknowledging something personal or especially timely that could be good news or it could be bad news. Intimacy, as we have defined it here, could mean an appropriate level of security screening either online or over the phone. It could also mean personalizing an experience. Tesla was one of the first car companies to automate the seat, steering wheel, rear and side view mirror for different drivers of the same vehicle. Back to Starbucks. My mobile app knows my recent orders and allows me to save them to Siri on my iPhone. It's a version of Cheers, the bar where everybody knows your name. It's hard to scale at the institutional level, but when done right, it absolutely can build trust. So now let's turn to the final variable in the trust equation, self-orientation. For those of us in the CX world, here's an example I shared when I was on Rob Markey's Net Promoter System podcast recently. When you finish a purchase and the service person says, if there's any reason you wouldn't give me a 10 out of 10 on likelihood to recommend, please tell me now so I can address it. Wow, that is a great example of high self-orientation and a lowering impact of the trustworthiness of that person and the company they represent. On the other hand, the ultimate form of low self-orientation is when a company is willing to recommend a competitor. Years back, my dad was on dialysis for kidney failure. 
He was planning a cruise for a large group in his retirement community and called one of the big cruise liners. They were very excited that such a large group of seniors were ready to book a trip. My dad explained that he had to have dialysis twice per week and couldn't skip a treatment. In his mind, that meant he'd have to find an island somewhere around midway through their week and find a dialysis treatment center. But the group salesperson at Norwegian Cruises said, then you need to take Royal Caribbean. They offer dialysis at sea. Wow, what a big difference that made for my dad and really everybody else on the cruise. That is a great example of low self-orientation. There's simply no way to control the perception customers have of your company when it comes to low self-orientation. The same is true for the other three variables. But one thing that can help, and I talk about this in the CX Roadmap, is to create a set of CX principles that reflect what it means to be a trustworthy organization. And it's simply not enough to hang them in the executive boardroom or on the corridors of the operations center. The principles should be embedded into the fabric of the organization, from how it recognizes performance, to how it orients new employees, to the culture, and everything in between. There's just so much to talk about when it comes to this topic, but we're going to have to land the plane here. I hope you gained some valuable insight, and it got you thinking about ways to incorporate strategies into your organization on how to foster trustworthiness. Thanks for joining this three-part series, and thanks for your ongoing support of the Delighted Customers Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Delighted Customers Podcast. I'd like to ask you a favor. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of my other ones, hit subscribe or follow. I've got a lot of other great guests that are coming up and a lot of other great content, and I don't want you to miss anything. You can find any links or references on the show in the show notes, and you can find those on my website at empoweredcx.com.